Thank you for listening to our weekly Baylife Church podcast. Make sure you visit our website, baylifechurch.org.au, where you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so that you'll never miss another message. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. How's that? Yeah, my bad. All right, if you've got your Bibles this morning, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. I've got something good for you this morning. You excited? Turn to the person next to you and say, oh boy, I'm excited. Actually, I was going to get you just to turn to each other and, and give an awkward gaze to each other. Just, just for a couple of seconds. Just an awkward, you know. Right, that'll do. Yes. I wanted to say something there, but um, <clears throat> I won't embarrass my niece. All right. Which one? <laughs> oh, I'd like to embarrass them all, but... <laughs> We've got time. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry I'll, I'll weave it in there somehow. Fantastic. I, I, God laid something, a, a word on my heart uh, um, a little while ago, and I'm, uh, I'm excited to share it with you this morning. I want you to go on a journey with me this morning uh, as we explore this. And so uh, give me a few minutes, you'll, you'll eventually get it. But um, this verse, I love this verse, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. <clears throat> By way of illustration, um, my question to you this morning is, is there enough water in this glass? Is there enough water? Now, some people will look at it and say, the optimists will say, oh, look, that's not a glass half empty. It's a glass half full. The pessimists will say, no, it's glass half empty. And uh, the realists will say, oh, no, it's, it, it's, it's full because it's, it's full of air. <laughs> but the opportunists will go and grab it and drink it <laughs> while you're arguing about it. Is there enough water in this? We'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. There's a, uh, there's a paragraph I want you to have a look at here. Read it and see what you can make of the following paragraph. A newspaper is better than a magazine. A seashore is a better place than a street. At first, it is better to run than to walk. You may have to try several times. It takes some skill, but it is easy to learn. Even young children can enjoy it. Once successful, complications are minimal. Birds seldom get too close. Rain, however, soaks in very fast. Too many people doing the same thing can cause problems. One needs lots of room. If there are no complications, it can be very peaceful. A rock will serve as an anchor. If things break loose from it, however, you will not get a second chance. That is the logic of that self-evident? <laughs> what if I gave you one word? The word kite. A newspaper is better than a magazine. Much easier, much lighter to use. Seashore is better placed than a street. Don't you agree? Yeah. And we could go on with it. One little word, 
makes a difference to a whole lot. Are you hearing me this, this morning? And we haven't finished the revelation yet. Okay, I was wondering the word tip, T-I-P. What is tip? Well, in the context of waiters and restaurants, it's the money you leave. In the context of information and hints, it's information to help you. <clears throat> in the context of rubbish or waste, it's the place where you have where they throw all the rubbish. In the context of geometry or angles, it's to put something at an angle. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? The word tip can be many different things in many different situations. Have a go at this next slide. This is the giraffe's context. Sometimes I wish I was a giraffe when I was painting at school. That's about my skill level. I think I could do the circle and the inner circle really well. Somebody else who's maybe not quite as tall would have painted something different even though they were looking at the same thing. Interesting, isn't it? So I'll come back to the question again, is this enough water? It depends on the context. I want to talk about context this morning because context matters. Context matters. The word context means the circumstances, the environment, the situation, the things that go around an event or a statement or a fact that helps you to understand it better. The word context comes from the Latin. It means to weave together, to make textile, the whole piece of material that comes around the individual fact. Context. If we can understand context, we can understand the scriptures. We can understand uh, things that happen uh, better. We're able, better able to read people and relate with people. There's so many reasons why we need to understand context and get familiar with it. You see, context provides meaning. We give meaning to things and to events. The meaning is in the person, not the thing. Are you hearing this this morning? When world events take shape, where it, the world is a basket case at the moment, let's face it. When you look at leadership or lack of leadership, when you, when you look you know, to the countries you used to look to for, uh, for, for moral leadership and so on, and it's not there. When you look around even Australia and, and so on, and we, we need to give meaning to the things that are happening. Where are we getting our meaning from? Where are we getting our context from? Because two people can see the very same thing or look at the same thing and see something different. Are you hearing me this morning? Why in, in, in this room can some people be really successful and others not and yet they've started out with the same thing? Because people understand context and they utilise context. So this is so, so important for us. You see, context also informs behaviour. It helps to explain, not to excuse. 
I remember reading a book by Stephen Covey many years ago called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in there he shared an illustration of one day he was exhausted and he went to and sat on the train to go home and he, he just wanted to be left by himself. He'd been talking, lots of crowds, all that, and he was sitting in the corner. And the door opened and in walked this, uh, this father with four rambunctious boys. Don't you, uh, don't you love that word, rambunctious? <laughs> Bratty kids. Rambunctious kids. And they were yelling and they were running all over the seats and they were making a noise and they were bumping into him. And he thought, geez, he, that father's slack. Just letting the kids run around there. And the father turned to, to him and said, look, oh, I'm really sorry. I said, um, we've just come from the hospital where we've farewelled their mother who's just died of cancer. He said immediately he had a different context. And instead of feeling anger towards them, he felt compassion. Because the context changed. How powerful... One word can change a paragraph and give it meaning. One word from the Lord can change your life. Amen. One decision in your life can change your life forever yeah. because there'll be a different context. Yeah. You may have lived your whole life growing up in church but have never come to a place where you've given your life to God and said, God, take control of my life. I want what you say about me to be about what I hear, not anything else. Are you hearing me this morning? What makes up context in people's lives? Well, it could be the medical conditions that they are from. Some people suffer from a mental illness and that clouds the way they think and the way that they talk to themselves. Self-talk is part of the thing that gives meaning, rightly or wrongly, to events, to situations, to circumstances, to environments. Our experiences, the values we've been taught, you name it, you put it together and that creates context. What's your context this morning? If, if only people knew your context and they could treat you accordingly, if only they knew the, the stuff, suffering that you'd been through and the medical conditions that you... And, and the way you like to, to learn and the way you like to be communicated with. If, if, if only people could understand that, there'd be a whole lot more kindness. What the world needs today is more kindness. People who are willing to understand other people's contexts and make changes in the way they do things in order to reach those people. My son works for Autism Spectrum Australia. He's been uh, writing a whole lot. He's been writing a lot of their philosophy and their uh, practices. And uh, he's now in an area where he's going into to companies and he's teaching them how to be autism friendly. So he's working with, you know, with Apple and Microsoft and... Uh, uh, Westfield and uh, all the airports across Australia and the Australian Museum, Sydney Museum, the city of Sydney. So he's working with all, all of those in order to help them be autism friendly. And what he's saying is, look, uh, if you're going to help somebody be, you know, be autism friendly, it's actually people friendly. Because the same things apply. 
if we could just understand people's learning styles, the way they love to communicate, if we could understand the, the circumstances and the context, we would change our attitude. He was sharing, he was sharing how uh, one of the uh, people that he works with, who, who is autistic, has to wear headphones in an airport and in crowded places because there's just too much stuff coming in to process. So let's cut it out. And she was in a, uh, an airport bathroom after uh, doing one of these lectures and so on, just doing a thing, wiping her hands. And some lady came in, told her off that you young people are, you know, just only focused on yourself and only listening to you and ripped the headphones off her. And she fell down in a heap. Somebody else's context was not movable for somebody else who was destroyed. Can we be flexible and understanding as Christians to understand the differences in people and to make allowances? Oh, that's called love. Love one another as Christ came out of who all the privilege he had in heaven and he came in the form of man to come and minister to us can we do the same can we give greater allowances yes people might rip, rip you off you might be seen as some chump sometimes so what jesus was beaten and bruised and marred beyond any man because he was able to look into our context and see we needed a saviour. How good is that? See, it provides the why. Why does somebody do what they do? Well, maybe somebody needs to sit near the back because there's too much stuff, too much noise, too many people too f for where they're at. Let's not criticise them anymore. Let's just allow them to be. Let's give them the freedom Wow, that changes things. Maybe our children are different from each other and different from, uh, from, uh, from us. When it's out of context, you don't know where uh, it comes from or where it belongs. You can't understand it properly. And that's the problem when we take things out of context from the Word of God. Imagine that, uh, that, that verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me great, I'm going to jump off this building and I'm not going to get hurt. <laughs> Out of context. Don't do it. Word of warning. We need to understand context. So what context, next slide. Sometimes the context gets very small. And sometimes we need to focus very small in a very small context and do you know the interesting thing is when we focus on that little, little thing down there under the microscope, <clears throat> what is little becomes massive. Maybe in life, little things have become massive. Maybe the way somebody spoke to you at McDonald's is a massive thing and you just explode. I, I, I'd be happy for a brain surgeon to just focus. You see, it's about appropriateness, isn't it? 
Sometimes the Bible says the word is, <clears throat> your, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. There's contexts. My feet, I need to see where my feet are going, but also I need to see where I'm going. You hearing me on this? Appropriateness, understanding appropriate contexts and operating in those. And then, of course, you've got the, the big context. When you can look at all those little things and just put, put them aside and, and see the big context. What is the big God context in all of this? You see, what the world does, what newspapers and the media do, is they will focus you on one tiny little thing, something somebody said, a soundbite, something that's taken out of context because they want to sell their services. And yet, if we're wise, we see the big context. And we see that this, this place, this world, uh, there's a big struggle going on at the moment between good and evil. But I tell you who wins in the end. You see, there was a man by the name of Elijah, and he was surrounded uh, by uh, the Syrian army. And the, and the Syrian army said, uh, the, the servant said to, to Elijah, we're outnumbered, what are we going to do? He said, well, look, just look up with your eyes and see a different context and see the thousands of horsemen uh, encamped about us from God. And he did, he looked up and he saw all these horsemen. A miracle. And Elijah prayed that the eyes of the Assyrians would be clouded and darkened. And so when they were confronted, they didn't know who Elijah was. They were looking for him. They wanted to capture him and take him back. But what happened was Elijah captured them, whole 10,000 of horsemen, and led them back to Israel. You see, we need to see with the eyes of the Spirit. We need to get the context of heaven in our situations are you hearing me in this do we focus on the little only sure we need to do that if we've if we lost our our uh, our three gold shekels like the woman who, who'd lost them at home the kingdom of heaven is like and so she tore up the house looking for them because they were so valuable to her the little things but they were so important but yet jesus left heaven and came because he could see eternity do you see eternity this morning do you see the big things do you see that even though maybe there's some losses all around and there's pressure on and there's all sorts of things happening and there's a lot of stress out there but the one who's the who, who takes the stress away the one who bore the sins of the world is our friend his name's jesus He's not just our friend, he's our saviour. He's our Lord, he's our king. Wow. We're on the winning side this morning. So I want to rephrase that verse that we shared before, seeking first the kingdom of God, to seek first the context of God and be in right context with him. And all these things will be added unto you. I've always had a disconnect when they talk about the kingdom. Well, that's the kingdom is where the king is. Yeah, that's great. And his rule and reign. What does it actually mean for our life? So here we go. Seek first the context of God. God's context. His values, his way of doing things, 
the things he wants to see happen, his principles, and be in right context with him. Let's have a look, uh, next slide, um, at where, context-wise, this verse sits. This is in the book of Matthew. Matthew, it's part of the, the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> it's right in the middle of it. Now, the book of Matthew was written by Matthew, who was a tax collector, who sided with, the, with, the, with Caesar and with Rome and so on, and he wasn't that popular, but he heard about Jesus. And he got Jesus' context. <clears throat> he understood his kingdom. So he left all his wealth and came and followed Christ. And so he wrote this book to show the Jews, he wrote it to the Jews, to show them about the, and talk about the kingdom and the fact that Jesus was the king. He was king of the Jews to fulfill scripture. So the whole book of Matthew is about the kingdom, about Jesus as king. It was he, he, the, the proof that with, with his miracles and, and so on, with his teaching, his preaching and his healing. And so here he is, the Sermon on the Mount, he's teaching about the principles of the kingdom, the practices of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom. Are you hearing me on this? And so he's talking about all of these things and he starts to get into anxiety. Anxiety. And you see, we get really focused on the small things of life. When we're hungry, who's ever been hangry? Nothing else matters, I need food. Everything else is against me, I need food. And so your world gets very small, hungry, angry. If you're angry, all rationale goes out the window and you're focused. Hungry, angry, lonely. When you're lonely, it's all about you. I'm lonely, not about others. You hear me? Lonely, tired. You, can't, you, you just can't think. You can't focus on all the other things. Or sick. If you've got some, some uh, physical issues, the, the pain that sets in, you, every, the world gets very small. When your defences are down, you focus on the little. When you've got energy, you can focus on others. And you can see the big context. When somebody has a mental illness, it's very hard to focus on the big picture. You can only focus on the one thing, the now thing. Where we're at now. And what happens is that the enemy will focus us on the little thing and get us to be small where God says, increase your borders. Do the things that are necessary. Get God's context on things. Seek first God's context and be in right context with him and everything else will be added unto you. In the midst of your anxiety, anxiety makes things small. People get smaller when they're anxious because of all the bad things that might happen out there. And it's very real. So we need to seek first, with all our might, with all our effort, the context of God. That's a good word. Isn't that a good word? 
you see up the top there in the Beatitudes. Here are some of the Beatitudes right at the beginning that might turn your world upside down and change your context. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The meek inherit the earth. I thought it was just the strong and the big armies. You see, God's context changes things and turns them on their head. You see, our strengths or our weaknesses can be turned into the opposite depending on context. In one context, your, um, your confidence can be seen as arrogance. Your weakness can be seen as a strength. If you've got God's context, your weaknesses will be turned into strengths. That's a good thought. I hope this is different for some of you and then you can walk out of here saying, I can do all things. If I've got God's context, I can do all things. You see, we go back to first principles in the book of uh, Genesis. Adam and Eve and God. What was the context in the Garden of Eden? God. There was nothing else. It was God's context that they were operating in. There was no guilt, no fear, no shame, no nakedness, no anxiety. They didn't have to worry about finding clothes that fit. For muscly guys like us, it's not easy to find <laughs> that really represent... And you get... Yeah, thank you. And you... And you and you get anxious, is my button going to pop? <laughs> That's why my, wife, my wife's not here today for that reason. But, uh, but it's a God context in the Garden of Eden. There's nothing else. No anxiety, no death, no pain, no mental illness, nothing. It was a God context. But also there was a right context with Adam and Eve as far as God was concerned there was no barrier you know the saddest saddest um, verse in the Bible is when God comes in the cool of the day to look for Adam and said Adam where are you because yeah. God knew where Adam was yeah. he was naked and ashamed why because somebody came in and asked a question did God say? And when Eve was alone by herself, that question came and she partook. What was he saying? He was saying, um, you surely, you know, God knows that, that when you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll become like God. In essence, what he was actually saying was you'll become like me. knowing good from evil. And so they both partook it and they were naked and ashamed and, and sin entered and so on. So there was no longer right standing or righteousness with God. The context with God was not there. There's two things. God's context, big picture, smaller picture was Adam and Eve with God. Seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the context of God and be in right context with him. You see, the enemy will love to get in and throw questions at you, throw questions at you, throw questions at you. Oh, are you a good mother? Are you a good father? And then it goes, the, the, the thinking process goes, I'm not the, the best mother or the best father for my children. And yet what does God say? You're the best mother or the best father for your children. You're called to be a winner, not a loser. You're called to succeed in life. You're called, called to make a difference and to represent who God is here on earth. You see, the Bible says that he's engraved you on the palm of his hand. So every time he acts, he's reminded of you. You are the apple of his eye. How good is that? That's the word of God. And so what we need to do is we need to start to, to make a change in our life to actually get the context back. Let's have a context shifter in our life. Let's, number one, identify the lie. Oh, I'm not a good parent. And we say, no, that's not the truth because God says. And let's quote what the word of God says. Therefore, as a result of what God says... I'm going to be the best parent that I possibly can be. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. I'm going to change over time. See, I don't just grab hold of the God's context. I actually begin to change myself. It's not just quoting the word of God. It's saying this is how I'm going to apply it to my life. Context change it in your life. Start with who said who said you're no good? Who said you've got nothing to offer? Who said your times are uh, over? Who said somebody's better than you? Who said that? That, in essence, is what the, the devil was saying in the Garden of Eden. Who said? By what authority? Let's change the context here. I'm taking over the context of God. No, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's what he says about me that counts, not what I think. Who said? You start asking that question in your life. Who said that I'm, I'm beneath and I deserve second best? Who said? Not God. For God said this. Therefore, I will. I can. I'm going to. You see, it's time for Christians to stand up and realize, yes, the pressure's on. Society, the pressure's on. But I'm going to stand up in the authority of God. I'm going to stand up and, and seek first the kingdom of God. Not what the newspapers say, not what the media says, not what somebody else says. I'm going to stand up. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be subservient. We can stand up with the authority of Christ and begin. Look, being humble, being meek, being merciful gives us so much. The Beatitude says that. And we don't have to be anxious for anything. See, the Bible was saying there, even the sparrows, those little worthless birds that were in the thousands flocked everywhere, they were clothed and fed. Jesus can see through the microscope, but he can see from a world point of view as well. He knows every need that you have. 
He knows the struggle of self-talk that goes on the inside. He knows what you've done, where you've been, but he also knows where you can go. I'm going to close with this quote that says, your life is like an egg. If an egg is broken by an outside force, life ends. If it is broken by an inside force, life begins. All great things begin from the inside. Jesus said, if you want to change your context in life, you must be born again. You must start again. Life begins on the inside. The kingdom of God is within you. You must be born again. Start afresh with a new God context in your life. And it starts with a decision that I come to a place where I say, God, I hand my life to you. I yield myself, my, my, my small world, my context, my self-talk, all of the things that have happened in the past, the good things and the bad things, I give them to you. I no longer use them as an excuse to be distant from you. I want to be in right context with you. This morning, I want to be in right context with you, and then my bigger context will begin to change. Does things change overnight? No. It works from the outside in. Does a baby become fully formed? No, it takes a lifetime to grow and change. And this morning, you might have grown up in church, or maybe you've never been in church before, and you're sitting here this morning, and you know that something has resonated in your spirit this morning. And it is time for you to make a decision to remove your context and allow God's context into your life. It starts with a decision. God, I give my life to you. This day, whatever day of May this is, 2021, I give you all that I have and all that I am, all my successes, all my failures, all my sin, all my past, and I give you my future. Help me, change me. Make me into the person you want me to be. Maybe you've once known God, but you're far from him. He's saying to you, come back into right context with me this morning. Would you do that this morning? I'm going to ask everybody to just close their eyes and bow their heads. Because in a moment, I'm going to ask you, if that is you and you want to make that decision to get right with God, to give your life to him. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to hold your hand high. So I can see it, I'll acknowledge it, and you can put it down again, and then we're all going to pray a prayer together. And we're going to do this because we want you to know. We want you to know you're making a quality decision. Unless you act on your decision, it's no decision at all. It's just mere mental assent, mental self-talk. But if you act on it, it becomes a decision. So right now, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, nobody else looking around, I'm going to ask you, if you want to come back to God or give your life to him this morning, begin that journey with him. I just want you to hold your hand high in the air. I'll acknowledge it. You can put it down again. And then we're going to pray together. Anybody here like that this morning? Wonderful God. Father God, I just thank you right now that your context matters. And then we're called to seek your context. And when things come up against your context, we're going to say, who said? 
because we're going to identify the enemy. And then we're going to make, make mincemeat out of him by declaring your word and applying it to our life and rubbing that oil all over our life and getting fresh again and getting the joy of the Lord afresh in our life. Lord, we choose to stand up tall and choose to, to walk in your context and know when, when to, to see the small things and when to see the big things. And not focus so much on the small things anymore, but God, to see the bigger picture of others. I thank you for your love for us and that today we can be in right standing with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.